Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. Each week, I bring you an outstanding guest on this podcast. And as we move now toward the end of 2021, looking toward 2022, I want to share some of the outstanding guests that we've had over this past year. One is a young man by the name of Sean Foyt. He is one of the premier worship leaders in America. Tens of thousands come to his services. He shares a tremendous story about the difference between worshiping and just singing or worshiping and performing and a great revival breaking out in the United States. I don't think you'll want to miss a moment of this outstanding podcast. It's in a session now. So let's watch. I mean, the people are coming because they're hungry for a touch of God. I mean, I've never seen in America in my life a greater desire for an encounter with Jesus, a greater desire for to receive healing, to receive miracle. I think because churches have been closed, there's we haven't been meeting that need. People are starving for connection, not only to one another, but connection to God. And then, of course, you have protesters and, you know, we've had satanic high priests. We've had Antifa show up at, at these gatherings. And what's amazing is I, a lot of times they end up giving their life to the Lord. They get arrested by the power of God. You know, they come to bring destruction and violence or agitation, and they leave carrying the peace of Jesus, you know, and we've had that happen on numerous occasions over the this last year. I feel like in America, uh, we are at a, you know, we're at a, there's a definitely a line in the sand for the church. I think that um, we can no longer dabble in the, you know, the cultural uh, lethargy and compromise and even on the values and the, and the things that we take a stand for, I think now is the time for us to, to be bold and courageous. And I think that that's what we're noticing when we get in the presence of God, we're getting filled with courage, just like Paul and Peter and the disciples did. But, you know, I think it's an hour. I, I, we, we use the phrase revival or bust, you know, if we don't have revival uh, in this nation, we are headed to a very dark place. And so for the sake of the of the of the next generation, we got to have a move of God, you know, that turns the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children, as it prophesies in the book of Malachi. Well, worship to me has always helped me to enter into the presence of God, so that I can hear the word of God and hear from God. It's an atmosphere that is set, uh, but there is a difference in my mind, at least, Sean. There's a there's a difference between uh, people singing who are performing. Uh, and, and also those who are really worshiping, making it about God instead of making it about themselves. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's been a lot of performance in the church for a long time. Um, and I think that we kind of have gotten used to the three fast, three slow, you know, wrap it up in a bow. It's very predictable. It's very safe. Um, but I think if you look at the, the worship, especially uh, um, whether it's revival history or whether it's throughout the New Testament or even the Old Testament, you see that the, the, the acts of worship that really provoke the heart of God or bring, bring a change are the radical ones, mm -hmm. are the ones that are, you know, Mary pouring out her finest as a, just a mess before Jesus, you know, and it says the fragrance filled the room or it's Paul and Silas in prison and they're beaten and they're bloody and they just start crying out, you know, from the depths of their heart or it's David, you know, who strips down and dances in his underwear. I mean, these are radical displays of adoration and praise. And I think that that's the season that the church has to move into. 
out of the safe comfort of predictability into the place of radical adoration that's really going to move the heart of God and that's going to bring a shift over our communities and our cities and our nation. Now, you say you've been in about 54 cities with these types of, of worship rallies. What have you learned that you wish you had known a few years ago? You know, I think I've learned that just that just worship, there's a there's a consistency, um, you know, uh, w- regardless of the political climate or, um, you know, what the mayor thinks or the governor or the city officials or whatever. The moment that you, str- you, you strum that first chord and you get into the presence of God, it's like it, everything becomes easy. There's a grace that's released. It just cuts through the, the crap, if you will, of whatever's taking place in the division over the city. Um, and we've seen, you know, altar calls and ministry uh, are so easy. And I think a lot of times easier in the cities where there's greater resistance. Um, it's like there's an atmosphere of intimidation that wants us to be quiet. But the moment we open our mouth up, it's almost like heaven just invades that place. And we found that in the cities where it's most difficult, that's where we're seeing the greatest breakthroughs take place. And now, one of my longtime friends, Bishop T.D. Jakes, who pastors in Dallas. I believe this will be a blessing to you. You know, you, you can't convert people you won't talk to. Yeah. And, and what we do is we talk at people and we talk about people, but we, but we don't get to know them. Uh, and, and the love of God is really what draws people, the love of God. Uh, and, and, and I think sometimes we lose the spirit of the law and we're left with just yeah. the letter of the law. Yeah. And, yeah. and Jesus brought the spirit of the law to us, not just the letter. Moses brought us the letter, but Jesus brought us the spirit uh, of the law behind it. And that spirit is loving your neighbor as you love yourself and being able to uh, be able to communicate with various types of people to articulate your faith, to be able to listen at them and include your own perspectives and not, not divide because we disagree. We don't we don't have to divide because we we disagree. We don't we don't have to shun people. Uh, we, this is how we said it in West Virginia. It said just because you graduated, don't burn down the school. <laughs> and it's a whole country way of saying you may know something that I don't know, but don't burn down the school because because I haven't yeah. graduated to the level of thinking that you have. Uh, leave the school open and give me room to grow into it. Yes. Uh, and I think that's uh, the first step toward the divisiveness being healed, uh, the the racial bias that is present, not just here, but around the world. Uh, when Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're going to start healing racial divides in this nation and around the world. You, you're absolutely right. And then the other thing you begin to find out you're you're not that different from your neighbor. That's right. You know, once you get past uh, little idiosyncrasies, uh, everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be heard and understood. Everybody wants to be appreciated. Everybody wants what's best for their children. Everybody wants to feel safe. 
those those are things that are common to man. And so uh, a lot of the mysticism is removed. And Jesus worked hard because the problems we're having now existed in the in the Bible days. Uh, the Samaritans were outliers by far theologically. They were they were uh, castigated. Uh, they were ostracized. And and when Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan, the whole point of the story is elicited from the fact that the lawyer then asked him, who is my neighbor? If I love my neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? Trying to trip him up. And Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan to a room full of Jews saying that the Levite and the priest of which you have the utmost respect for could see him bleeding and turn and walk away. But the Good Samaritan came and poured in the oil and the wine. Yes. And the reason Jesus does that is to say, don't X anybody out. The woman at the well says, you know, your people have no dealings with my people, seeing as I am a Samaritan. But Jesus sat down at the well and waited for her and had a conversation with a woman who had had five husbands and was living with the man. And Jesus was able to minister to her because he uh, he overrode the, the biases that sometimes we unconsciously have because of our lack of exposure. Yes, and you're so right. The age doesn't matter. Uh, whether they're a teenager or in their 20s or 30s or older as some who were killed in Boulder, or if they're just a newborn. I remember I remember when our firstborn child, Richard Oro, died in my arms in the neonatal intensive care unit here in Tulsa at St. John's Hospital. He was only 36 hours old, but Bishop, he was my son. He right. was my son. And it, it, it cut us to the core uh, when that happened. My wife pointed her finger at me after having three miscarriages before, and now a dead son in my arms with everyone we knew praying. Uh, she said, don't you ever ask me to get pregnant again. And uh, she and I uh, took off uh, to Nigeria for my first uh, African crusade. And we ministered to so many couples who had lost infant children like we had. And we began to pray in tongues and interpret back. And God began to show us he knew something we didn't know and he would bring us through. And so I have this compassion in my heart for anyone who's lost a child, no matter how, uh, what the age is, because I know, I know what that feels like. That's right. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And not, and I'm glad you said that it transcends age because my children, my oldest children are 40 and uh, there's, but they, when a, when your child dies, you don't see them as a 40-year-old or a 70-year-old. They're your babies. They're your babies. They're always going to be my baby, you know? And, and, and we have a terrible problem eating at the underbelly of our country that we are so busy trying to prove who's right that we don't fix the problem. Neither thing is right. So now you have to choose a side when neither thing is right. What we want to do is to be able to sleep in our beds safely at night, is to be able to have our kids play in the front yard and be safe at night. We don't want to have an argument over who, who shoots them. <laughs> we, we, we don't want them shot at all. No more than anybody wants to go into a grocery store or a bunch of whites in a movie theater shot to death. We, we want to feel safe in our country, safe in our churches, and most of all, safe in our beds. And, and I think we're, we're not there yet. Yeah, doesn't that also come down to leadership, as you were talking about earlier? 
uh, that we as Americans have to put the right leaders into position. I know we're, we're commanded by the Bible to pray for those leaders, no matter who they are. But sometimes, yeah. sometimes we get, I'm going to use the word bamboozled, and sometimes we put men and women all across the nation in office that had no business being there in the first place, and they don't seem to have the compassion. And somehow, as a nation, we've got to rise above that. Compassion is the key thing. Compassion is the key thing. But this is this is my saying that, that I th- I'm a great believer in leadership. I do think we need great leadership. I do think that we have created a climate where some of our best and brightest men won't run for office because we dig so far down in the trash can of their history that they they would not want to put themselves or their family through the, the assault of running for office. That's part of the problem. Second thing is, I think we keep changing chefs, but we don't acknowledge that the oven is broke. It's deeper than one person in a position. The whole infrastructure of the way the combativeness of Congress, the tone deafness to what America is saying, the whole thing needs to be looked at and examined because some of the things that we need to have done are just common sense. I first met Dwayne Dog Chapman years ago in his bail bond shop in Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> and when he came on my podcast, it was Katie Bar the door. I think you're going to enjoy Dog. There was a cop. I, while I was doing time, I was arrested in prison for shooting a police officer. Mm-hmm. And it was my my brothers in the in the bike club, but I wasn't at home. Yeah. I didn't go with them, right? So this cop drove me from Huntsville to Pampa, Amarillo, uh, a whole day ride. And all the way there, he was a Christian cop. And that's, you, you didn't find any Christian cops in the 70s, especially in Texas. And he told me how the Lord could use me. And, you know, I needed to change my life. And he said, I feel something about you. There's some kind of way. Angels are all around you. You need to let them in, dog. You've got to change your life. And he made a huge impression on me. So all of a sudden, I had this guy in the back seat, and I saw that cop. Yeah. yeah. So I said, right, you need to change your life. That's what, I, that's what I'm driving at, because I always felt that, the compassion of the Lord would come out of you. I, I've always told people, dog, that compassion is not what people think it is. Compassion is not sympathy. It's not empathy. Compassion is wanting to reach in and take hold of the problem and pull it out so a person can change their life. And I saw you doing that so many times uh, to people from all different walks of life in the backseat of that suburban of yours with your wife, Beth, at that time. And I think that's, I think that's what made me fall in love with you. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I thought that, you know, when we first did the first show, after we captured the guy, told him cut the cameras off, and I didn't know they didn't. And uh, we, the first show we watched, half of it was me catching the guy, and the second half was me, and you know, trying to get his redemption. I, I remember watching and, that show. Yeah, and I said, all the Christian friend, my Christian friends, and all my redneck friends are going to say, there he is throwing his pearls before the swine. Change that. Change that channel. And lo and behold, when they did a 
a uh, test to ask people what part of the show they liked. I thought it was they liked me because I throw down. I'm a good fighter and took them out. They said, we love the backseat ride. I was totally stunned. Yeah. And still am. So, uh, you know, whether there was cameras or not, I always did that because the Lord told me I'm going to help you catch every one of them. But I expect you. They're the devil's herd. And I expect you to take control and testify to every single one. And there's only been a couple out of 8,000 that I arrested that said, I don't want to hear it. And I go, good. You'll hear it from somewhere else. I don't believe in hell. Well, you will after you're there five minutes, you know. <laughs> right. So every single one has, I probably 45 to 50% of the guys call me and say, dog, you changed my life. Yeah. You know, those words that you told me that day were, and I, they always say, what is your favorite scripture? And I go, well, it's Jesus wept. Because that's why I wear shades. I cried right now. I cry all the time. So I'd cry with the men and women and we'd hold it. And I'd say, Lord, you can't, you know, pump Jesus in them because they, they don't like that. So I just, you know, A&E was the only network that said, you may say in Jesus name. The rest of them said, nah, let's just say amen. Mm -hmm. Because we have other religions that will watch. But A&E said, listen, we don't care if you say in the name of Buddha. You can say anything you want. So, but they did make it where I can only do one in Jesus' name prayer per show. So we always prayed because that's me with my children. Prayed, God help me find them because I couldn't find them. And I always, you know, 99.9% of the people that ended up in that car, I said in Jesus' name, you know, and I, I, everyone tells me, I don't like to brag about it, but yesterday, I met with uh, Victor Marks and he said, listen, you're blessed with the, with the, the blessing of discernment and you, cause I can spot a demon a hundred yards away. Right. Yeah. And I'd be talking to these guys and I go, you know, your dad loves you, man. He just don't, how do you know? Yeah. Or I'd say your grandma been praying all these years for you, homie, yeah. your grandma's, how do you know my grandma's a Christian? And I realized that I had that gift. Yeah, that's the operation of the gift of discernment. Yeah, and every time I'd pat myself on the back about it, <laughs> I'd go, I'd be wrong. You know, and I did a, I wrote a book and did book signings. And all of a sudden I was, I had rows and aisles of people. And as they come up, I'd say things to them and God would tell me and I'd go, you know, you need to stop hitting her now. Yeah, I told the girl, go, I told you, he'd know. And he's like, dog, I just, I want to well, get over I, to the side of. Dog, I stood with you once at a book signing. You asked me to come to it and you asked me to pray over it. There were lines of people all the way out the, the bookstore to buy your new book. And I saw you do exactly what you say. You had me pray over all the people that were getting ready to buy your book. I saw you not only op operate in the gift of discerning of spirits, but I also saw you operate in the gift of prophecy during those days. Oh, thank you. Is that what it's called, prophecy? Yeah, it was a combination. Combination. Sometimes there are two. Sometimes there are several gifts of the Holy Spirit that can operate in a person at the same time. And I saw the gift of discernment as well as the gift of prophecy operating you, operating in you about telling them what had happened and also what was going to happen. 
Yes. And I love that. I really love that because I said to the Lord, then when I, if you're going to give me these people, cause you're going to bring them to me, you got to tell me what to say. Yeah. You, you got to tell me something that I can tell them to impress them. So they know, Whoa, he does know the Lord. Uh, I'm going to write that down right now. Prophecy and discernment go hand in hand. You and I have another conversation about that one of these days. Dog, what would you say to someone right now who's watching this podcast? Uh, they're, they're down, they're low, they've gotten in trouble, they don't know how to get themselves out of it, they feel like they're being hunted down, that they're hated. What would you say to somebody right now watching you who's in that position? Well, that's a lot of different subjects, you know, hated, hunted down, and feel bad. Uh, there's all, number one, there's always someone else that's worse. Okay. There's always someone else that's in a worse shape than they are. So feeling sorry for themselves does not heal things. I challenge people when I say, listen, all you got to do is say, you know, pray to God. How do you pray? You pray like you're talking to your grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa, help me out. I need a helping hand. And when you end the prayer, say in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. uh, and just do that three days in a row. Say in your, and say it sincerely. Sincerely. And if it doesn't work, don't say it again. But if all of a sudden on the second or third day, you start feeling something weird, and all of a sudden something goes right, there is not one person that hasn't ran their car almost on empty. And as they're heading to the gas station, said the prayer, God, please don't let me run out of gas. <laughs> Happened to all of us. <laughs> oh, a, a Christian or sinner. And <laughs> lo and behold, 99% God gets you to the gas station. Yeah. So I tell people that's the same. That's how you pray. You know, it's not about gas. It's about maybe your wife or your finances or, and lo and behold, when you say that, just test it out because then you put it in God's hands and he's going to answer your prayer. And let me clear something up as we prepare to close. I was not in the bail bond shop because I needed to be bailed out. I was there with my family because we were going over to meet a dog and his wife, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> and we just happened to go over to his bail bond shop. His entire family came in. We had about an hour together. <laughs> Didn't want you to think I was there getting bailed out of jail. <laughs> but you know what? You may need to be bailed out of something right now. Maybe sickness or disease has come against you. Maybe you have been struck with fear or depression or discouragement. Maybe you're, you're not looking forward to 2022 at all. Well, I've got news. God has not fallen off the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And miracle after miracle can happen in your life. I, I look at, uh, at uh, we talking about Dog Chapman. You know, he just got married recently. He and Francie got married back in September. And a lot of my friends were in the wedding, uh, you know, out in, out in Colorado. And I thank God for him and for all these guests. But more importantly, I'm praying over you right now. I'm praying for you to have a great 2022. Yes, I know there have been things in the past. I understand. I faced them too. But in the name of Jesus, I believe that God's plan for you is good. 
It's a good plan and it's not for your evil. I bless you in the name of Jesus and I pray over you. I rebuke every sickness and every disease, every fear and every doubt. And I pray for the Lord God Almighty to lift you up and bring healing to you in every area of your life, from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet. Not in my name, but in the name of the one who sent me, Jesus Christ, God's only son. Be healed, be blessed in the name of Jesus, and I expect miracles for you in 2022. If you would like to support this or other outreaches of this ministry, please go to oralroberts.com. We believe when you give to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, your giving will be abundantly multiplied back to you, according to God's word in Luke 6, 38. 